Well, good morning again. Uh, we're going to finish up. We, a while back, I started a series of messages on the I am's in the Gospel of John. And today we're going to be finishing up uh, with the last I am in John 15. <clears throat> One of the things to start off with that we want to kind of get our minds wrapped around is uh, a lot of people are, have been asking lately um, in the world today the meaning of life, what is the purpose of life, why are we here? Um, as believers, the common response would be, to, to know God and his son whom he sent. We see that that is life in itself. Um, we see that in the high priestly prayer in John 17, others would say to glorify God. We are here to glorify God, to manifest um, his glory here on earth. And uh, those are both true. And we've seen that there are three calls that the Lord gives. We have the call to come unto me for salvation. Uh, we have to come to the Lord. We have to repent of our sins. We have to trust in his finished work on the cross that he shed his blood, died, was buried, and rose again the third day. And by faith in him, by trusting in that, he gives us eternal life. It's a gift. It's by grace alone. Um, that's the first call that we have. The second call is to be a disciple, to follow him, to, to take his yoke upon us and to learn um, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the third call today, and that is to abide. Abide in me. Um, to bear fruit. We are all called to bear fruit. And if we are believers in Christ, we will bear fruit. But we, see, we will see in a moment that God is only glorified if we bear much fruit. Uh, not simply just fruit. Every believer bears fruit. But we have to bear much fruit. Um, so that's what we're going to be uh, discussing today, this purpose of abiding. Uh, John chapter 15, if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's an interesting chapter um, because I think there's a lot of controversy involved in it. A lot of people try to preach a lot of different doctrines from this passage, um, but this is a passage on how to live in Christ, how to bear fruit. This is a passage on fruit bearing, not a passage on salvation. Yet a lot of times Calvinists or people try to preach salvation through this passage. Well, this passage isn't meant for salvation. So we're not going to focus on salvation. We're going to focus on fruit bearing. Um, so that's one of the keys we want to remember today. Uh, so John chapter 15, I'm going to read from verse 1 through verse 17. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. 
Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that you love one another. So the scene here is, <clears throat> they, we, we assume that they left the upper room. And John, the end of John chapter 14, uh, the Lord gives a, a, he says, But the wor- world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So from chapter 13, they've been in the upper room. Chapter 15, we believe that they've left the upper room, and they're now walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, we assume that either he's looking at a vineyard, at this point in time they're passing by a vineyard, or they're passing by the temple where there's a big golden emblem of a vineyard on one of the columns of the temple. Um, Judas has left. He has gone out from them. Uh, and now it's just the 11. So what's interesting here too is that we have a picture of something that's taking place. Even in later epistles from John, he talks about men that went out from us but were not of us. Uh, Judas was one that was from them, but he was not of them. Judas did not believe in the Lord um, the way the others had for salvation, that he was the Messiah. So one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, why a vine? Why does the Lord take the opportunity to say, I am the true vine? And the emphasis is on the genuine, that he's real. He is the true vine. Um, But why a vine? And there's a couple passages in the Old Testament, and we want to assume that this is probably what's going through the disciples' heads when he mentions this. Anytime somebody mentions something from the Scripture, if we are somewhat learned in the Scriptures, that will come into our mind. So when the Lord's bringing up this idea of the vine, uh, what's coming into their minds? You don't have to turn there, but it's real, some real short passages. The first one is in Ezekiel chapter 15. Ezekiel chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, what is the vine tree more than any tree, or than a branch which is among the trees of the forest? Shall wood be taken thereof to do any work, or will men take a pin of it to hang any vessel thereon? Behold, it is cast into the fire for fuel. The fire devoureth both the ends of it, and the midst of it is burned. Is it meat for any work? Behold, when it was whole, it was meat for no work. How much less shall it be meat yet for any work when the fire hath devoured it and it is burned? Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, as the vine tree among the trees of the forest, which I have given to the fire for fuel, so will I give the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will set my face against them. They shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them, and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them, and I will make the land desolate because they have committed a trespass, saith the Lord God. I'm suffering from real bad sinus right now, so if I clear myself, that's, I apologize. Um, but the interesting thing here in Ezekiel is that he's talking about what is a vine good for if it's not bearing fruit. It's good for nothing. It's useless. It's, it's of no use to the Lord. So God's intention was for Israel to bear fruit for him. Um, We see in the passage from Isaiah, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, a while back now, in Isaiah chapter 5, 
we have another passage, Isaiah 5, uh, verse 1. It says, Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you, what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry. So what the Lord was looking for at this time for fruit was for judgment, <clears throat> or in a sense, righteousness, uh, and from righteousness, but behold, a cry. So what happens is he was looking for certain things. He had taken everything. He had pulled them out of Egypt, released them from the bondage of slavery. He had set them up in the promised land. He had given them a kingdom. He had protected them, built the walls. The temple was, uh, was the, uh, the tabernacle was there. All these things he had done but they didn't produce fruit. They did not abide. They did not follow the commandments of the Lord, and there was no fruit. They brought fruit to themselves. Um, and we see that there was judgment <clears throat> pronounced on them. So these are the things that were probably going through the disciples' minds uh, when this was all taking place, and I'm going to have to take my coat off. <laughs> it starts out so cool in the morning, and then all of a sudden it's, So these are the things that are brought to mind. There's also other passages, Hosea chapter 10, verse 1, um, Ezekiel 19, that brings up passages about a vine. <clears throat> but what we're seeing here is that a lot of people will teach that, well, Israel was the, the vineyard, and now the church is the vineyard. Well, that's not the case. We did not replace Israel. Christ is the vine. We are the branches. We are not a new vineyard. We did not replace Israel we would have not produced fruit unto ourselves the same way Israel did not produce fruit. Uh, the Lord is the vine. The Lord is responsible for bringing forth the fruit. That's another thing. Our call is to abide. We're not called to manufacture fruit. I think that's sometimes a concept that this is talking about service. Well, it's not necessarily talking about service. It's talking about abiding in Christ. It's talking about fellowship with him, communion with him, obeying his commandments. Um, in verse 1, we'll start, we'll kind of just work our way through the passage. Chapter 15 is interesting because it talks about the relationship between us and the Lord. It talks about a relationship with one another as believers. And it talks about a relationship, us, with the world. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get that far. If we get that far, we'll, we'll read that passage and we'll go through it. But it deals in these three sections. This first section is between us and the Lord. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, or pruneth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Um, the idea here is that the father in heaven is the husbandman. Uh, we are not called to try to get others and prune them uh, so that they bear fruit. Uh, we don't handle the knife. 
Uh, we, we handle the, the wash basin. Uh, we are to wash one another's feet. Um, we were given the, the instruction on how to cleanse one another through the washing of the word, through the washing and building up of them. Uh, God himself, the Father, has the knife and prunes. He's the only one with the skill necessary uh, to do those things. So we don't have to worry about pruning one another. We're called to wash one another's feet. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that if there is fruit being uh, brought forth, that he cleanses it so that it would bring forth more fruit. Um, so we're going to talk about that as we go. Verse 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Earlier in the passage in uh, the upper room ministry, he makes a similar statement when he's going to wash their feet. He says, you are all clean, you save only need to wash your feet, but you are not all clean. And he was speaking of Judas Iscariot. Now that Judas is not here, we don't have that qualification. It's you are all clean um, through the word which I have spoken unto you. Again, a cleansing by the word. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. So this question is, what does it mean to abide? That's really what we're after. We see that in this entire section from verse 1 to verse 8, the, the word abide is mentioned, I don't know how many times, and the word fruit is mentioned, I don't know how many times, but those are the main words in the section that we're dealing with. Uh, we have to abide if we're going to bear fruit. So the Lord calls, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. If we are not in the word, if we are not obeying the commandments of the Lord, it's not possible for us to bear fruit. Um, that's the biggest thing we can take away. If the Lord is not in it, then it's not fruit of the Lord. Does that make sense? Because the vine is going to bear fruit of, of what's in the vine. And we know that Christ, there's certain characteristics in Christ. We see it in Galatians 5, uh, verse 20, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, uh, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, meekness, uh, self-control. All these things typify the Lord. And so if we are abiding in him, these are things that will be expressed in our day-to-day -day life. Um, if we are not abiding, uh, we'll be probably short-tempered. We won't have that joy. Uh, there will be no peace amongst us. We'll have no peace in our, in our soul. We'll just be conflicted. Um, and I'm pretty certain that that's the state we're in right now. Um, we, we're, we're, we've been talking about revival. We've been talking about what we want to see the Lord do. And, and that's a good place to start. Uh, what we want to see the Lord do. Well, in order to know what the Lord wants to do, wouldn't we have to get it from his word? Wouldn't we have to be in communion with him in prayer? These are things that are so simple, yet we want to do the grand things. We want to do bigger things. And I think what we need to focus on is getting back to this basic, basic level, abiding in Christ. <clears throat> and then he'll take care of the rest. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So this... <clears throat> so we have in this section, we've had fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Um, the key is bringing forth much fruit. That's what we're striving for. 
for without me you can do nothing. And that's what we've talked about. If the Lord is not in it, nothing fruitful comes. It says in verse 6, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Again, this is not a salvation passage, so we wouldn't take this as losing salvation because it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about those that are not abiding in him, that haven't abided in him. The interesting thing about this time period, when you had the disciples with him, Judas was a disciple. Judas was a follower of Christ, but Judas was not saved. He was not actually a believer in Christ. He was a disciple, but he was not a believer. You understand? Does that make sense? So he, 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 he obeyed these commands. He tried to do the outward works. He tried to work from the outside in. That's not what being a believer in Christ is. You have to work from the inside out. Christ liveth in me. That's what works itself out. That's what we call bearing of fruit outward. Uh, comes from inward, bears outward. So we have to remember that as the disciples were gathered around the Lord and they were thinking about Judas, Judas was one of them. Judas was just like the rest of them. When they were all sitting there before the Lord and he says, one of you is going to betray me. They all assumed, is it me? Is it I? Is it I? All these different things. They had no idea that Judas was the one that was going to betray because they couldn't tell. They aren't in charge of the pruning. They aren't in charge of the casting away. They aren't in charge of all those things. We don't have to worry about that either. We're not called to go on witch hunts. We're not called to cast people out and this and that. If there's people that are among us in a fellowship, in an assembly, and claim to be believers and are in open sin, it is up to the elders to put them out from amongst us. And the elders get that. The assembly puts them out. That's a command from God that we have. <clears throat> in this case right here, we're talking about fruit bearing. We're not talking about fellowship and assembly. Another thing to keep in mind. So, <clears throat> if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. <clears throat> I've heard this a couple times lately uh, in just daily conversation, and it, it, it's, it's, it's frightening, it's scary. Um, people will say that they have such a close relationship with the, with the Lord, and it's so spiritual that they, they don't really need to read the Word every day. They don't really need to get into the Word and study the Word. And it's just a, a special relationship that them and the Lord have. And we see in many passages that that is absolutely 100% false. That, that if you are not in the Word, you're not having fellowship with the Lord. Because how is He going to convict you? How is the Spirit going to use the Word to cleanse us, to wash our feet, to purge us? All these things take place. And it's funny the qualification He makes. It's been that you abide in me and I in you. In verse 7 it says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. If the words in Scripture are abiding in us, when we come before our Father in heaven and we ask something, we will be asking something to glorify the Lord. Because that's what's abiding in us. That's what's in us. If we're not in the word, sometimes our prayer is going to be, um, Lord, I'm struggling in this. I'm having a hard time. I need your help. I'm tired of suffering. Um, you know, work's tough. Uh, people are being mean to me. All these other things come in and it's like, you know, you spend 20 minutes in prayer. Nothing has to do with the glory of the Lord and the Father in heaven. Uh, and we wonder why that is. 
sometimes we're in, we're in, sometimes to be honest, we're in prayer meeting here, and we pray about all sorts of things. I mean, we're all over, we're all over the world. We're praying, and I understand that. Um, but are our prayers fitted to so that this will bring glory to the Lord? This will bring glory to the Father in heaven. And I think sometimes what happens is we see needs, and then we play. Well, if, if this were to happen, then it would be better. Or if this were to happen, then it would be better. And we're calling the shots. And I think sometimes <clears throat> we see that if the word is abiding in us, we pray that we would simply abide. That we would be comforted. That we would know that God is in control. That we would be still. We would be quiet. And we would let God work through us. Um, instead of thinking, how can I take action to fix this? How can the Lord be glorified in this? Because what I want is the Lord to be glorified. The hard part about that is, even if it means uh, social suffering, physical suffering, uh, people in the family suffering, people in the body suffering, all these things, uh, there are serious consequences uh, physically, uh, but there is serious blessing spiritually. And we are after spiritual blessing. We are after spiritual fruit. We see that the nation of Israel... They had a different relationship with God. Theirs was, if I obey, you bless me now, and you bless me physically. If they were obeying the Lord and his word, they were blessed at that current time, and they were blessed physically. They had plenty of food. They were defended. Uh, the altars were cast down. There was unity in the people. In the church, if we are obedient to the Lord, we are probably going to suffer persecution. We are probably going to be um, despised, rejected, all these things like the Lord. But our blessings are future, and they are spiritual. So two different things. That's how you can tell two different dispensations, two different ideas, Israel being one, the church being the other. So we are called to bring forth spiritual fruit. So keep that in mind as we continue. Verse 8, it said, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Again, the Father is not glorified if we just simply bring forth fruit. <clears throat> if we are believers in Christ, we will bear fruit. That's, that's the key. If Christ is in us, Christ works out, we will bear fruit. God is glorified if we bear much fruit. Um, we are not necessarily called to, well, I guess we are. Let me rephrase this. We are to judge one another by their fruit. If we see a fruit in their lives, then we know that they are um, among us. If we don't see fruit, then we know that you know, we, we need to pray for them, we need to encourage them, we need to build them up, point them to the Lord, wash their feet, all these things that we have to do. The interesting thing about this passage is, in John 14, the Lord talks about all the things he's going to do for us. In John 15, he talks about all the things that we're to do uh, for him, for one another. So we are called to bear much fruit. And we have to ask ourselves, the question I ask is, have I been spending enough time with the Lord to bear fruit? Because I can't necessarily see my own fruit. Does that make sense? I, I don't see all the fruit that I'm bearing or that I'm not bearing. That's the something that God the Father sees and that's something he judges. But have I been abiding have I been spending adequate time 
what has the last week of my life been like? Um, and so I pose that question to you. What has the last week of your life been like? And just kind of think about it. And if you haven't been alone with the Lord, in a sense, what do we expect? What do we expect to happen? Um, we pray for those things and we do all these things, but if we're, if we're not spending adequate time with him privately, publicly, it won't show forth. There has to be a balance. <clears throat> so we are called to bear forth much fruit. So in verse 8, this is a section that deals with the Lord and with us, fruit bearing, what he desires to see. <clears throat> verse 9 through verse 17, it's with one another. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love, or that word continue is actually abide. Abide in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So we see the Father loved the Son to the utmost because the Son was obedient to the utmost. He did everything that the Father commanded. Every word that the Father gave him to speak, he spoke. Every work that the Father gave him to do, he did. Um, and there was a perfect, perfect love. Perfect obedience, perfect love. And it says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Even though we're not obedient to the utmost, we haven't done every work that he's given us to do. And it's funny, for the last couple weeks, I've been just thinking about that verse, and I, you can't really get your mind around it. It says, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Abide ye in my love. I mean, just let that sink in. The perfect love between the Father and the Son, the Son has for us. It's a perfect love. Even though we are what we are, he has it for us. I mean, doesn't that just, like, get you fired up? It gets me fired. I mean, it just brings joy. I get fired up about that. The fact that when the Lord looks at me, the love the Father has for him, he has for me and each one of you that are his. So it says, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. <clears throat> one of the pictures that runs through my mind when I think about this, the, the uh, obedience and commandments, and, um, is a, a, a dog. I have three dogs now at my, at my shop. I have a construction yard down in Ontario. Uh, we've had two dogs that grew up together, and we've just got another one um, from a friend of ours, uh, Grant and Amber McKay. So now we have a third dog. And the interesting thing about dogs is they can be trained to be obedient. And if you tell them sit, they sit. You tell them lay, they lay. If I tell them stay, they stay. Come, they come. All these things. If they disobey, then I have to discipline them. Um, but the funny thing about the dogs is they love to be told to do something. They just love to be, hey, make me do this, make me do that. that. That's where they get That's where they get comfort. That's where they get joy. When it's, hey, do this, hey, do that, and they're working dogs. They love it. Cats, completely different. <laughs> I mean, uh, my, my, my wife's family has cats, and it's just like, man, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. You calm, they don't come, they're fickle, they scratch you when you're holding them, and then they scratch you, and it's like, do I, you know, but they don't understand. So, a completely different picture. That's why dogs man's best friend. That's why there's such love between uh, people and their dogs. Because a dog is obedient. And a dog shows love and obedience. When you see 
um, you know, a guy that takes his dog everywhere. When we were in um, England, they have herding dogs. And those herding dogs go everywhere. The guy goes in to eat. The dog's right there. dog sits there. The guy eats. He eats. And they go out. And they do everything together. And it's like, man, what, what fellowship, what love the man has with his dog now. I'm not calling everyone dogs, but the, the picture is the idea that there, there's such union because of obedience and because of the joy that comes from obedience. Does it bring you joy to obey the commands of the Lord? Or when it says, love one another, do you go, well, I can do these people. I don't know about these people, but like these guys over here, they make it hard. You know what I mean? Love one another. It's like, uh, you're commanded to love one another. Does that bring you joy? It should bring us joy to have commands that the Lord gives us that we can show forth our love. He has shown forth his love in doing everything that his father commanded him to do. We are to show forth our love by doing everything we can for the Lord. Um, that's, the, that's the picture. <clears throat> the responsibility of bearing fruit lies in the Lord. Our responsibility is to abide in Christ. Christ bears the fruit. They are of him. <clears throat> so as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain or abide in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, <clears throat> I gave a message, I don't know how long ago it's been, but on 1 Corinthians 13 and this idea of love in the assembly. Here, here it is again <clears throat> of love from one another. In a sense, the, the entire body of Christ, the entire church. It says, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So this is for our joy. This is for his joy to remain, our joy to be full. That ye love one another as I have loved you. And we've just been meditating on what that love is. The love the Father had for the Son, the Son has for us, we're to have for one another. What is the greatest fruit of God's, the Father's love for us? Sending his Son to be judged on the cross, to be resurrected, shed his blood, to redeem sinful men, to save those that are lost. That's the greatest fruit of who God is. Okay? Our greatest fruit of who the Lord is, is to love one another. If we are not loving one another, then we are not fulfilling the greatest example of the Lord. Three times he's mentioned here, love one another. I command you to love one another. Um, it's an important thing, and I think it's one of the more neglected things. Um, one of the reasons why it's neglected is because we're so separate. Uh, we have our own lives. We have our own likes and dislikes, and we do our own thing. Um, there's so many things that I don't know about so many of you. And there's so many things that you don't know about me. Um, we are not in and out of each other's lives as we should be. Um, if we are called to wash one another's feet, well, I may not even know that you're dirty. I may not even know that you need it. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things we have. We want to start with revival and we want it to be this great, powerful thing to see the hand of God move and the spirit work in our lives that we would see an awakening in lost places, a revival amongst us, an awakening in the lost. Um, but what we need to focus on is the basic things, and it begins here, those in fellowship in this assembly. It begins in our hearts, 
and those right here. And that's the important thing. If we can't love one another, we won't be able to love anyone else <laughs> because we're called to love with a perfect love. It says, as I have loved you, love one another as I have loved you. Again, a perfect love. We are the only ones capable of loving one another the way the Lord does because the Lord lives in us. If we aren't abiding in the Lord, then we won't be capable of loving one another. Um, to remember that each one of you is the inheritance of the Lord. That the same blood that bought me bought you. The same value the Lord had on my soul, he had on your soul. And the same joy I have that I can bring to the Lord, you as well do too. So we should encourage one another. Why? So that the Lord would have joy, that his joy would remain, and that our joy would be made full. It's all for joy. <laughs> and that's one of the biggest things that I think most people would say is lacking, especially amongst the New Testament pattern assemblies. You know, you walk in there and there's just no joy. People are this, people are that. And what happens is it's become routine. Everything's become routine. And what happens is we've gotten into the mechanics of it all. We can do the mechanics, but there's no reality. We're missing the reality. And so we have to ask ourselves, if the, you know, when God the Father talks about seeking his face, are we seeking his face? And if we are seeking his face, what do we see? Is he look down upon us and say, you know, just keep abiding in the Lord and that, that looks just like my son? Or is he saying, you guys are bringing forth leaves here. I don't see any fruit. I'm not seeing it. You know, I got a little bit here, I got a little bit there, but as a whole, it's not taking place. Um, one of the things we have to ask and be honest with ourselves, if that is true, what do we do? <clears throat> so it says that your joy might be full as I have loved, uh, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So, how much do I have to love each one of you? That I would lay down my life for any one of you. Does that make sense? It's a little serious, right? We talk about laying down lives and joy and loving one another, but the idea that we have here is, that's the kind of love we should be expressing. And if we love someone enough that we would die for them, don't you think we'd love them enough to comfort them when they're feeling down? To give them a word in season? To pray with them? I mean, we haven't been called to die for one another yet. We may be. We haven't yet. Right now we're called to just wash their feet, comfort them, encourage them, give them a word in season, build them up, um, pray with them. And yet we don't. I don't know why. I really don't. If anyone knows why, you know, I appreciate the comment, comment and tell me. But we don't do these things. And I think the reason we don't do these things is maybe it's been a while since we've been in the Word and realized this is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, if you're not in His Word, then how would you ever be convicted about these things? Um, maybe hearing the message, you, you're, you're convicted because you said, I have, man, I, I left my Bible there on Sunday and I picked it up this Sunday when I came. Or... Um, you know, I wouldn't even know where to start reading my Bible because I haven't been reading for I don't know how long. Um, there's a lot of things going on, and I think part of it is that all of a sudden, our public life is starting to mimic our private life where we're not abiding, 
We're not spending time in the word. And all of a sudden, we're starting to see one another. And we're, we're saying, we need revival. You know, we need, to, we need to work this out. We need to change. We need to repent. Which is also a fruit, fruit of repentance. <clears throat> so, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Again, in obedience. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And that's what this upper room ministry is all about. All these things that he's letting them know. They don't understand it all right now, but they will later. They don't, they don't get it all now, but they will later. The words are going to abide. The Holy Spirit is going to use those words. It is going to bring them out. And there's going to be the Lord living through them. And we see that in the Acts of the Apostles in the early church. That's what took place. They were together. They were unified in the Lord. They prayed together. The Spirit came, and the Spirit did the work of the Lord through the disciples and those that were following Christ. <clears throat> it says, Henceforth I call you not servants. So we see you are not servants. He calls us friends. Friends because he's told us um, the things that he's going to do. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain or abide, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. <clears throat> so again, we have this idea of, of prayer, what we ask in the name of the Lord. And that's the idea here. When we really think about our prayer, and we really go to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, is it really in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're asking? Or is this, well, this is like what I would like to see happen. Now, I'm not saying that don't let your will be made known to the Father, because we are to. We see the Lord does that. If it you know, is in your will that these things would pass from me, you know, let them pass. <clears throat> we see that it wasn't, and he did it anyway. That has to be our heart. Lord, this is what I would like to see. If there's any way that this could happen, I would appreciate it. If not, let your will be done, that you be glorified. You're not seeking what you want. You're seeking what the Lord wants. And I think that sometimes we have to remind one another, how does that prayer glorify the Lord? How are we seeking to glorify the Lord in our day-to-day -day lives, in our prayer lives, in our alone time with the Lord, and our public time with the Lord, with one another. And again, he says, these things I command you, that you love one another. It seems like those are like coming out of nowhere. <laughs> like he's getting onto something, and it's like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And he says, love one another. And then he goes on a little bit, and it's like, okay, so what do we do? Love one another. So I think there's something to that. And I think it's something that we're not doing so well, you know, right now. And I think it's something we can be encouraged in. And the only way we can be encouraged in doing that is by abiding in his word, abiding in the Lord. Let Christ live through us that we would see things as he sees him, as we would pray things as he would pray for them. Um, <clears throat> we can't do that if we're not in the word. This is the last section. Um, we'll just briefly run through it on the hatred of the world for those that are like Christ. If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, 
The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak or excuse for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not, not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the, world, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So our call, again, is to abide in Christ, to love one another. I can't emphasize that enough. Um, like I say, what happens is people will see what we refer to as almost like a deadness coming over individuals. And we see that because all of a sudden they're not here. <laughs> you know, maybe they're not coming out or, or maybe they're only coming out to one meeting. And what we try to do is we try to say, well, just come out to more meetings. Just, just come out to more meetings. And then, you know, we get on them a little bit, and then they come out to more meetings. But their heart isn't changed. They've just tried to please us. Um, that's not fruit. That's, that's not going to help anybody. Um, they come out, and we're looking for outward works. We're looking for service. Um, can they help with brigades? Can they help with TNT? Can they help with Sunday school? Can they, can they go knock on doors? Can, you know, we, we need bodies. We need people that can go out and do stuff. Um, that's not fruit. That's not what the Lord's talking about here. The Lord is talking about abiding in Christ, character. What is our character life in our personal life, in our private life, when it's just us and the Lord, and in our public life? And so instead of saying, you know, you need to come out to more meetings, it's what can I do to encourage you in the Lord? I, I, I could pray with you. I could read the word. I could, I could pray for you alone by myself. I could pray with you. We could pray as an assembly. All these things we can do that the inward would work itself outward. Not that the outward would change and we hope for eventually for an inward change. I think that's what happens most of the time. Well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. They come out and they do those things and then you think, oh, and then they go back to the way it was before and you're like, man, I really thought that it was going to happen that time. And it's, we're doing it backwards. <laughs> we have to do it from the inward, outward. Christ lives in us. Christ has to work himself out, work out salvation. So I think that's the, the biggest thing in this section that we could take away is that fruit-bearing depends on the Lord. It's his responsibility. It's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to abide in Christ, to love one another. Those are the commands given. So if we want to bear fruit, where do we go? The Lord. We go to the Lord. If we're not bearing fruit, why is that? Because we're not going to the Lord. Um, there's no miraculous uh, uh, thing that I can bring you this morning. It's just, uh, it's funny. One time when I went to the Galilee program, <clears throat> I feel bad for this guy, but he's going to get dragged over the coals a little bit. He, he raised his hand and he was asking about a teaching. And he says, is this positional teaching or practical teaching? And, and Jim McCarthy said, there's no, there's no difference. You're to live your position. 
you're to practice your position. If it's positional teaching, that's what you should be doing. If you're not doing it, then you're not doing it right. So if, if, if our practice isn't lining up with our position, we are seated in the heavenlies. We've been giving everlasting life, the fruit of the Spirit, all these works that are supposed to manifest. If those aren't taking place, we're not living our position. So there's no difference. Positional truth, practical truth, it's all the same. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Um, so I pray that you all are encouraged. I pray that you have not been in the Word, that you would get into the Word. And if, and if you're honest and you're convicted enough about it and you want to come up and say, I need help, would you go through the Word with me? The reason why I personally attend different studies is because it forces you to be in the Word. You have to be prepared. You have to spend time with the Lord. Because otherwise you're going to get there and you're going to have nothing. And you're just going to sit there and you're going to wonder, wow, I didn't get anything out of that. <laughs> I didn't put anything into that. So what would I expect to get out of it? So I think the idea is, especially on Wednesday night. I mean, um, you know, we, 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 we haven't brought it up too much. Um, but Wednesday night, you could tell the heart of the assembly. And if we're not praying together, if we're not going through the word together, if we aren't amongst each other, I understand if you can't be there. If you got work, if you got this, you got that. I'm not talking. I'm talking, you're at home, you're sitting down, the TV's on, and 715's rolling around, you're like, mm, I don't really feel like going. Um, that's not the heart of the Lord. The heart of the Lord was he wanted to be amongst his people. Um, and we, we, should, we are commanded to love one another. It's hard to love one another if we're not around each other. Um, so that's, that's one encouragement I have for you all uh, this morning. <clears throat> we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do uh, come before thee thankful that uh, our Lord is the true vine, that indeed he is the bearer of fruit, and we are thankful that you are the husbandman, Father, that you are the one that cleanses us, that purges us, that we may bring forth much fruit. Father, we pray that uh, our lives indeed, that if they are not uh, bringing forth much fruit, that we would be in your word and we would be convicted, and Father, that we would abide, that we would abide in the Lord, because indeed our, our heart's desire is to glorify you, Father. Our heart's desire is to live as Christ lived, is to be an example. As Christ was the express image of the Godhead three, Father, all these things he has given unto us that we may be the express image of our Lord and Savior. May we truly, truly respect that. May we honor it. May we love it. May it bring us joy that we have a Father in heaven who has given us all things that we would need to glorify him. Father, we just ask a blessing upon each individual here that we would learn to love one another, that it would be a time of, of building up, of encouragement. We pray that indeed if there is need for repentance, that repentance would take place, but that repentance would take place in the heart of the individual and that as brothers and sisters, we would build them up. We would encourage them. We would strengthen them. And we would live for the Lord as a fellowship of believers in this assembly. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you be glorified. Amen.